Hello, and welcome to the Antioch Fort Worth weekly podcast. At Antioch, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and his purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit AntiochFortWorth.com. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon from lead pastor, Jamie Miller. Open your Bibles, if you would, to John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35. I did have a just. I wanted to say um, that Jesus. Just I don't know who this is for today, and uh, I can say this in first service, but felt like I was supposed to right now. That Jesus is a bridegroom. I just was thinking about the Samaritan woman off and on a few times this week, and Jesus is a bridegroom who pursues people that aren't perfect, that don't have it all together, and so we're talking about the love of God today, and He just comes with His love. He's coming, he's coming for you. you know, and he pursues us. And it's just, that is such good news, man. Really, really good news. So let's read a couple passages here together. And we'll jump into this message, Love to the World, as we're finishing up the, the vision series, 2020 vision. This is uh, John 13. Jesus just washed his disciples' feet, served them, and now he says in verse 34, a new command I give you love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So he's given us kind of a mission there. It's his mission. In John chapter 20, he reemphasizes that. He appears to his disciples after the resurrection. John 20, verse 21, comes into the room. And again, Jesus said to them, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. He goes on and talks about forgiveness. And one of the things I love about that commissioning is that it's like the triune commission of God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now go do what I've been doing and modeling. Uh, one author that I like to read calls it the greatest co-mission. Co-mission. It's a co-mission with God. We get to participate in what God's doing. And so, um, in order to see clearly, we've been saying this over and over this during this series these last few weeks, in order to see clearly, we look to Jesus. That's how we see. Because He's the light of the world in our darkness. He's the life of the world in our deadness. And He is the Lord of the world. We talked about last week in all of our chaos and all of the fall and all of us, the, when we put ourselves on the throne, He's actually the Lord. And we were made to live in His image and made to live under His reign. And He restored all that. And now all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Him. And He calls us to live lives that are surrendered to Him. So this week, whatever we do in that, it's got to be marked by love. That is just the flavor. That's the flavor of who we are. It's got to be marked by love. You could even do the most radical gift of all, which is martyrdom. Laying down your life. But if Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, if you don't have love in that, it's just a, a gong, a clanging symbol. You know, it doesn't hit the mark. So we want to be marked by love. I want to say a few things this morning about mission and the priority of love. Okay? So, so for all three of you guys that are excited about that, I want to start off with a little thought experiment that was first proposed by a famous evangelical Christian scholar named A.W. Tozer. 
And so, uh, so if you would, just let's use our imagination, which is really kind of key to faith, is that, that right side of our brain, being able to see the Lord and see what He wants us to do. And, and, and uh, so let's just, let's just imagine, close your eyes if you're comfortable doing that. And let's just imagine, let's go back in time all the way to creation. And then even before creation, what, what's going on there? We're all the way back before creation. What is there? What do you feel? What do you see in your mind's eye right now? What do you hear? What do you sense right in front of you? Okay, you may already be doing this, but, but let's, let's do it one more time. This time, let's do it with our, let's, let's, let's imagine that our minds are saturated with Jesus Christ. Just absolutely saturated with Jesus. Okay, now we're going back in time, all the way back before creation. And what do you feel? Now we're not suspended in kind of a vast space because space doesn't exist yet. What do you see? Well, you see light because God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. It's before creation. He, uh, creation was formless and void and He speaks light into it. But this is before creation. It's just God. So God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. What do you hear? Conversation, warmth, welcome, fellowship, communion. Dallas Willard was once, uh, actually was asked somewhat frequently, what was God doing before creation? And he would always say, he was enjoying themselves. It's pretty good. Okay, so what is right in front of you as you imagine this scene with Jesus and the Father and the Spirit? The light of unlimited wisdom, pure love, pure relationship. This is God before creation. Always love. Always relationships. From all eternity before creation. The love between the Father and the Son and the fullness of that communion together in the Holy Spirit. God is love. God is love. And Bruxy Cavi said, while there may be relationships without love, there will never be love without relationships. Just let that sink in. You can't have love without relationships. You can't, it's not just a by yourself thing. And that's what makes our faith unique. It's part of what makes our faith unique is that God is a triune God of love and relationships, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's a beautiful thing. It's the DNA, as it were, of God. You know, it's, it, uh, we don't say deeper things about God. You could say other things, but you don't say something deeper and more foundational than God is Father and Son and Holy Spirit. That's why I just I, we, we relentlessly talk about Jesus because He is God saying, this is what I'm like. He's the image of the invisible God. There's nothing different about God than what you see in Jesus. It's good. So today we're, we're wrapping up these thoughts about seeing clearly 2020 vision. He's the light of the world. He's the life of the world, the Lord of the world. And the flavor of our mission then is love to the world. And the problem is it gets in our heads that we can do mission without there being love connected with it. We just do it because that's what we're supposed to do. Or I need to share it with somebody. But if it doesn't have love as the flavor of it, we're going to miss it. Love is the absolute key. 
Yes, Jesus Christ is Lord. That's the first creed of the church. And love is to be the flavor of that creed. You know, there's so many aspects of kingdom mission. I was reading this book this past week, Kingdom Conspiracy by Scott McKnight. You can go ahead and flash that slide up. Subtitle of the book is Returning to the Radical Mission of the Local Church. And the trajectory of mission that's marked by love in the church is from isolation to community and towards radical hospitality. Radical hospitality is like a God thing. That's what God's really doing in inviting humanity into fellowship with Him. Isn't that powerful? Like, so we, we go from just, it's about us, and, and this is so subversive in our culture. Isolation, me, consumerism, all that stuff, what I want to do, what I want my news feed to be, what I don't want stuff on my news to tell me stuff I don't want to hear. And you can just, I, me, the center of it. So from isolation community towards radical hospitality, from homogeneity to diversity and towards a shared life among cultures, it's really easiest to just be with people that are just like me. Think like me, same political views, same education, same socioeconomic level, all that same race, all that, all that stuff. And God in the kingdom and in the church in a focused way is taking us toward a diverse, look at more, even more, you know, doing this. And because around the throne, every tribe, language, nation, tongue. Then this trajectory is also marked from, it's, it's, uh, from charity, like handouts, to actual friendship towards seeking justice for the least. So that's, that's, it's marked by love. And then from confrontation of idolatries to repentance and towards new life in Christ. So all those things just, they, they, they're, sh they're the shape of, and the trajectory of where we're going, but it's gotta be marked by love. If we miss the love part, we miss it. If you miss love, you just, you miss it. So love is this, my disciples, you're, you're my disciples. You're going to be known by the way you love one another. There is a world that's watching to see how we do this. Like somehow, I don't know how everybody knows, but somehow the world knows that we're supposed to be loving each other. And there's a hypocrite smeller in the world on whether or not we actually do that or not. <laughs> right? So here's the main thing. What I'm trying to say this morning is that Jesus is calling us and empowering us to know God's love and share that love with each other. Here's the laboratory and with the world around us. We're, we're uh, humans in the lab of the church. You know, and the church really is plan A. It's the, it's the bride that He's preparing. At the, for, it's the end in, in one way. But it's also how we get there. It's the, it's the end, but it's also the means by which we get prepared. If that makes sense. Living in community. Learning how to love. Learning how to forgive. So a couple things here. It's not, not complicated this morning. Receiving His love and revealing His love. First thing, we look to Jesus to, in order to receive God's love to us. And that's receiving the love that launched a million, hundred million galaxies. That powerful love of God. Out of the fullness of His shared community and fellowship and intimacy is the spoken word of creation. 
We talked about that in the last, last few weeks here. It's receiving the love that fueled the incarnation. God becoming flesh. Just a mind-blowing deal, really. Just If you really think about that, God stepping, we sang about it, you know, stepping out of the throne to become one of us is this radical, self-giving, emptying kind of love. Ultimately, and the focus of all of that is the cross. The self-giving love of the cross of Christ. That God lays down His life for us. That the Father's heart is to give. The Son's heart is to give. The Holy Spirit's heart is to give. Beautiful. And that this God, this is receiving this love from a God who is Father. And that means we're family. And again, we talk about this, but I, I love John's revelation of God in the Gospel of John because he's writing last in the 90s, late in the first century. And, and he emphasizes this Father. It, it's, it, he sees Jesus who's the Son, the eternal Son. That means the Father's the eternal Father. There's never been a time when the Son wasn't the Son or the Father wasn't the Father. From all eternity and the fullness of that love in the Holy Spirit Fathers referred to fifteen times in the fifteen times in the Old Testament, and over one hundred times in the Gospel of John. It's just this explosive revelation. So, father then means family. We're called to be family and treat each other in the way that family treats each other, and to participate in this life of adoption into this family. We are image bearers. And we bear the image of the relational God of love in the way we relate to one another, in the way we love one another, the way we serve one another, the way we're other, other-centered, other-preferring kind of givers in, in all of that. And this is what uh, is called incarnational love. Only, only God can do the incarnation. So God the Son, only one person can do that. God the Son. But we are called to live on that trajectory of incarnational love. And what, what I mean by that is we lay down our lives so that other people can live. And if you see something moving forward, it's, it's really kind of a principle of life. Like if something's happening here in the church, somebody's laying down their life so that other people can thrive. If somebody's thriving in families, there's, there's some parents, there's some moms and dads who are laying down their lives so their kids can thrive. And I'm just going to just be really bold here and take this to college or to, to work, whatever your business is. It, what a great way to live. Lay down your life for others and they'll be able to see God in you, yes, but you'll also be able to lead people and help people. When we lay down our lives for others, it, it brings people together. It's just really, really practical incarnational love lay down your life for others jesus said i know you i know my sheep and i want you to know me and know my voice i want you to know what it's like to live with me and walk with me and believe in me and trust in me and to know my father and to know just to be brought into this love i mean one of the very last things he prays in john 17 verse 24 is father i want them to see my glory to be with me where I'm at, to see my glory because you loved me from before the creation of the world. That love, that glory and love, you, you never seen me do this before, this connecting glory and love together. He wants us to see the glory of God 
which is the love between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. To be brought into that and to participate in that. It's absolutely incredible. So how do we do this? I'm going to just throw the word sacrament out this morning as just a great way of thinking about this. Sacrament means something that we do in the natural, something we do physically that allows us to connect with the grace of God. So, you know, since Luther and the Reformation, Luther really focused in on baptism and the Lord's Supper. And those are absolutely ways that we experience the presence of God and something that we do in the natural, just participated in the Lord's Supper together, experience the grace, the presence of God, the love of God. But there's other things too, right? It doesn't just stop with those two. I mean, what about what we just did in worship? We come in here, it's corporate worship, and we experience the presence of God, the grace of God, the love of God as we worship together. Or corporate prayer. You come together and you experience His presence, grace, love, glory, intimacy in a way that's more manifest and profound in our lives. What would be some other... So really, I'm in a way, some of these things start bleeding into... Spiritual practices, spiritual disciplines, things that we getting up and spending time with God. I mean, it's, it's something I'm doing, but it allows me to connect with God. Um, uh, abiding with the Lord during the day. Fasting. I mean, just in a few weeks, we've got another church fast coming up. It was dead silent in first service. Just wanted to let, let you guys know. But, but it is, it, there, there's, there's things we engage with, Bible study, prayer, worship. There's things we abstain from, you know, food and little seasons here and there, or just uh, silence, solitude. Things, that, I mean, those are serious engagements in our world right now, right? Things that we can uh, in, engage or abstain from. And so, and I, let me just say, these are things, these sacramental, this sacramental life and living and experiencing the presence of God like this is something we practice. Yes? We are talking about practice. Because nobody gets it down. Nobody does it right. We don't get to judge other people based on the practices that we do maybe better than somebody else. We're just all in this together. Just, just all dependent on grace, all coming unworthy. Amen. Come on. Yeah. Thank you. So that's us, you know, and so we do this. How do we do this? We do this in the power of the Holy Spirit. In John 14, 20, Jesus says, when the Holy Spirit comes on that day, you realize that I am in my father. You are in me and I am in you. We participate in the presence of God. We live in the presence, in union, union with God. Paul says it this way in Romans chapter five, verse five. He says, and God pours out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. He pour, we receive love in the power of the Holy Spirit. We do these things. We, we do practices. We, 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 some, some days it's better than others. You know, if you're a guitar player, you know, you practice to get better. You know, and if you're a, whatever you do, you're a cello player. You know, you, you practice it. Uh, writing or think we, we practice the presence of God. 
So that's, that's the first piece, is re- receive God's love to us. The second piece, we look to Jesus, then also to reveal God's love in and through us. So I want to receive it. I've got to receive it because I, I leak. I, I don't have enough love in me to love others the way God does. So I've got to receive His love. And then I want to reveal that love in and through me, in and through my life. And again, where we started, they'll know you're my disciples by the love that you have for one another. So our mission, our mission in the world is going to be marked by the way we love people. And uh, so uh, another little, I referred to Scott McKnight earlier, and uh, and uh, he has this, he famously calls loving God and loving your neighbor the Jesus Creed, the Jesus Creed. Love God. What's the most important thing? Love God and love your neighbor. Love God and love your neighbor. And then he famously, Jesus, that is, famously reinterprets neighbor in the Sermon on the Mount, doesn't he? He said, you've heard it said, love your neighbor, but I tell you, love your enemies. And he equates enemies with neighbors. Isn't that mind-blowing? Just in that one little, just you've heard it said, love your neighbor, but I'm telling you, love your enemies. And so that's pretty much, that's pretty much everybody. <laughs> right? So, so we love, we love everybody. God's calling us to this kind of love to reveal. And, and we don't, uh, we don't withhold that love. And I'll get to forgiveness here in a second, but Jesus then is God's heart walking around. He's the, the heart of God. Just you, you see what God's heart is when you see Jesus. And now He's calling us to be God's heart walking around, showing what this love looks like. Just everywhere, all over, we're God's heart walking around. We want to apply it in these key areas. In our relationships, in the church, in the city, and to the nations. In our key relationships. That's like family, friends, the cl- people that are really close to you. What's it look like to love them? And I'll just pick on forgiveness, for example. Forgiveness is like, I just want to just, so that, I want to say this so that at least it's been said to you by, by somebody. That forgiveness is not optional for followers of Jesus Christ. And I, I've heard people say it to me like, I, I just can't forgive them. Like, that's not an, I mean, it is because we get to express love and there's that choice dynamic in love, but not really, not really in the kingdom. You've been forgiven, forgive. Just as, just as Christ forgave you, forgive in the same exact way. Total, complete, give it away. Don't withhold it. That's the fall. That's literally the fall. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I'm going to decide who I'm going to give it to. Or not. And we're called to the way of Jesus, to God's heart walking around. So we give forgiveness. And it just straight up, we, we love, we forgive, especially those closest to us. I think that's where the, that's where the rub really is. It's, it's not hard to forgive when I don't know somebody. Or it's not as hard. It's much harder when somebody's close and a friend has hurt me. And, and it's just, it's harder, right? And yet, 
how does the prayer, the Lord's, the Lord's prayer, it ends, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive anyone their sins, they are forgiven. And if you do not forgive them, the Father will not forgive you your sins. That's, that's pretty sobering, but it's not like make a choice about forgiving or not. It's be absolutely forgiving. So forgiveness, not an option. Absolute, always, 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 always forgive. And I'm just saying that's for your own good. All it does is bind us up and put us in the little dungeon of unforgiveness. It, I'm going to hurt them. I'm going to, you know, and it doesn't work. They go on with their life, you know, skipping through the fields or whatever, and and we're unforgiving and just crankier and giving the enemy room to work in our lives. So, so there's, uh, so so in our key relationships in the church. So what this is going to look like in the church is cross-shaped love. This, this is how this is the laboratory, and we get to work on this together, learning how to love each other. And uh, it's the difference between serving one another and consumerism. I'll just kind of put those against each other. Serving is coming under, I'm here for you. And consumerism is, what's in it for moi? And it's just so, it, I know maybe there's, most of us don't think that way, but it's hard not to think that way some because that, our whole lives, social media, news feeds, all that kind of stuff are wired to be consumers. And, uh, so it's, it's hard not to, uh, I think I'm going pretty good right now on this sermon, but it's, it's hard not to, you know, flip up the card every now and then. 6.5. 7.3. First service, I was choking. I, I couldn't... <clears throat> I was clearing my throat for about three or four minutes. I think it probably got me a 5.5 five from, from a couple of people. <laughs> Ten. Yes. Son-in-law. <laughs> right, though? I mean, it's just, it's hard not to... Oh, uh, that was a good one. Uh, that was, you know, kind of tripped off the diving board there at the end. <laughs> Splashed in backwards. Okay, so God's love has a trajectory, you guys. And what His love looks like then is a rugged covenant commitment. I'm going to give you a couple handles here for this. It's a rugged covenant commitment. He, I, just, I like the word rugged. I mean, he, he's just, he makes this promise unilaterally to Abram, Abraham, and then he keeps it. Even though his descendants, the Israelites, blow it over and over again, reject him and choose idols and sacrifice their kids to, to demons, God keeps the covenant. A rugged covenant commitment. And, and we got to get a hold. Like, that's what love looks like. It's a rugged, I'm going to stay with it. And I'm not giving up. I'm going to keep going. And it's a commitment love that is uh, God's commitment to be present. That He's going to be with us over and over. I'm going to be with the from the tabernacle to the temple to the incarnation of Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. And God is for us. He's going to be our advocate. So He's with us ultimately. New heavens, new earth. He's coming to be with us. And then He's... Uh, committed love to be our advocate 
to be for us. And, and that's that famous motto that you hear all through Scripture. I will be their God and they will be My people. I'm with them and I'm for them. And, and so this committed, rugged, covenant-keeping God who's with us and for us, that then means it does stuff. Justice and mercy and love and sharing the Gospel. It's, it's, got, it's, got, it's got power to it. It's got a direction to it. We don't just sit on our hands and wait for Jesus to come. It has direction. And it, it takes like the Israelites into the land. Takes us into the land of fullness in Jesus, out of bondage into freedom, out of sin into life, out of death into life. So, uh, so that's what it looks like in the church, and then in the city. Uh, I, I love this one because we uh, we're, we're working it out here, you know, and it starts and stops and apologizing. Lord, forgive you. We forgive me and and all that stuff. And but then we take it out to the city and we've got all these other people out there that are brothers and sisters and we want to live a life of love with them, too. All those different churches that are out there, Presbyterians and Church of Christ and Baptists, Methodists, non-denominational, denominational, (laughs) uh, all those all those things. And so. When we do that, though, we want to keep the main thing the main thing. That's how you do it because we've got distinctives and doctrines that we emphasize that really mark us about mission and discipleship and expressing God's future as signpost people that welcome the future into the present right now. We're like a time machine people and the kingdom is now and not yet. And so we expect healing and we believe for miracles and all that. Those are doctrines, but we don't enforce those on all the other brothers and sisters. Make sense? Those are distinctives of us, and we really value those things. But there's a whole lot of stuff where you, if you'll keep the main thing the main thing, you get to participate with a whole lot of people in the body of Christ. And we're not just over here on the, uh, just on the deck, think, on the ship, thinking we're the only people on the ship. You know, uh, 1994, five, somewhere in there, pastors, promise keepers. Max Lucado tells this story. You got 44,000 pastors from all kinds of denominations there. Largest gathering of pastors ever in the United States. I was there. And, uh, Max stands up and tells this story about the ship and Jesus, the captain of the ship up on the top deck. And there's all these, all these people on the ship. Some are, you know, the, they're just dancing on the front with streamers, you know, and just free as they can be. And you got some people standing by the rail and, they're kind of having some arguments about can you fall off the ship once you're on the ship? And then some others are like, well, if you fall off the ship, you never were actually on the ship. <laughs> Got some people down in the engine room studying the details of things and going over the engineering specs and everything and loving to study all that stuff. And then you got some people... He, and he was actually poking fun of his own little group. He said, and then there's some people that are over there on the corner and they think they're the only people on the ship. <laughs> and as much as we can, by the grace of God, we want to recognize this big, beautiful ship that is the church. That is Jesus where He's leading us in the city um, and to the nations. Developing a, a healthy base right here. I mean, for 27 years... We've we've been a reproducing church. 
and multiplied this church over and over and over, sent out hundreds of people all over the place. And, and the deal has been we want to have reality here so that we're not sending people somewhere else to do something that we're unwilling to do right here. We want to express all that love and the kingdom and life and health and vitality and healing, deliverance and all that stuff right here that we're sending somebody out to go do in some other part, far flung corner of the world. We'll be talking about next week. And so one thing that really helps us as we're navigating this in the city and with our brothers and sisters are these concentric circles. You flash that up. You know, just making sure that we know what is at the center. What is at the center? The Jesus is at the center for us. The cross of Christ is really the focal point for us. That Jesus died, buried, raised on the third day, ascended to the right hand of God, coming again. That core, core, core of the center is there for us. He is the dead center for us. And what happens is the problem happens when we start pulling our opinions and just even key doctrines down into the center. And the center just gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and we start, uh, you know, we start getting life not just from faith in Jesus, but faith in Jesus and all the other things that we believe that are important for us as Christians. And so, to the extent that we put more and more in the center, it becomes harder and harder for people to see Jesus and His salvation in and through us. And we become kind of more known by what we stick in the center than by Jesus. Because it's the stuff we argue about. It's the stuff we stick in there that doesn't belong in the center that we argue with people about. It doesn't mean it's not important. You know, I mean, next week we're going to talk about worship. Uh, two weeks, we're going to start a new little series and we'll talk about worship. And we'll probably talk in every single, we'll, we'll cover something that will be in every one opinions and doctrines and dogma and Jesus all in there together. And that's all right. That's a part of it. And just we need framework, a framework like this so that we can have good, healthy conversations with people and know what really belongs in the center versus the stuff that we uh, want to, to put in there. I mean, an example of a, do a doctrine would be like baptism by immersion. Now, I mean, I was raised in a group like baptism was like bigger than Jesus almost. It was a really big deal. And it was baptized in water. Under the water, no elbows sticking up, all the way down. <laughs> and definitely not sprinkled. Yeah. There ain't no going to heaven any of this stuff. And, and, and the sad thing was, you know, and it's just been some growth. I mean, we all have to, we have to think through this stuff. We've got different folks coming at different places on their faith and realizing, like, everything doesn't go in the center. And everybody that doesn't believe exactly like me is not going to hell because they don't believe all the same doctrines that I really hold dear to me. So I'm, uh, uh, so what, what's dogma? Well, let, let me just go ahead and give an example of this. So, I, Thursday, oh, let's do the dogma. Go ahead and flash up the Apostles' Creed. For about 1,700 years, this has been like the mark of orthodoxy in the Christian church. Like the, It's the dogma. It's not all of the doctrines and then opinions that are just preferences. And we need a worship 
with tambourines. By the way, no, we don't. As a worship leader, as a musician in the 90s, doing recordings and stuff, it was rough. I remember conferences. I'd be sitting there playing guitar with Tom Davis and he'd be like, hey, we're recording a live CD here. I want you to feel free not to use your tambourines. Literally at the start, kicking off the conference. I'm kidding, right? It's an opinion. I know there's some other opinions like, oh, we need... Uh, 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 uh. We're having fun. If you're listening online, I don't know what to say. <laughs> Where's I at? Opinions. Doc, uh, back to the Apostles' Creed. So let's look at this. There's like 12 non-negotiables built into this one statement alone. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried, and He descended to the dead. On the third day, He rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, in the Holy Catholic Church, the one universal church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. That's dogma. So Jesus dogma about him. I was, I was literally in a prayer meeting this past Thursday over on the east side of Fort Worth at True Vine Missionary Baptist Church. And I, and toward the end, I had my eyes open. I know you're, there's, I, I don't know what the ruling is on that, but I had my eyes open. I was just, <laughs> I was looking at everybody. I was just like, wow, all these, all this diversity, all these different church backgrounds. And we're just there praying, just going for it, you know, just hearing different kind of prayers that you don't normally hear. It was good. It's good for me. That, that diversity is good for me. And then Jack Crane, who pastors that church, toward the end there, he just, started, he, he just takes off. And this is what he prayed. He said, Jesus, You are the Son of God. Jesus, You were crucified for our sins. You were buried. Jesus, You were raised on the third day. Jesus, You ascended the right hand of the Father. And Jesus, You are coming back again. And I just, Amen. Right? And that's... That's what we, that, that's what we unify around together is the person of Jesus out there. We've got our distinctives. Everybody else has their distinctives, but I'm trying to help us to navigate this with some joy. So we're, so that we are marked by love for other brothers and sisters in the city. You're going to be known by your love for one another. It's a huge, huge deal. Uh, yeah, Ben and I were talking this past Wednesday and just when we go out with this message and it's marked by love, it, it's intentional. We're, we're, we're engaging with people. We're not just sitting back doing nothing. Even introverts, extroverts, all of us, there's ways that we can talk to people and be in their lives. Ben reminded me of this great little uh, acronym, SALT. Flash that up. Start a conversation, ask questions, listen to their story. Who doesn't want to tell their story? I mean, you ask people their story, they want to tell, they want to, they, they want you to know about them. We're made that way. Image bearers are made to want to know others and to be known ourselves. Listen and then testify that 
And, and I mean, even if you're not the deepest thinker or you don't know all the theological answers, ha, me neither. I don't either. But one thing I can do is I can testify. I mean, everybody in this room that knows Jesus can, can do all I know is testifying. All I know is witnessing. Uh, I don't know the answer. To, ooh, that's a deep one. But all I know is I was dead and now I'm alive. I was lost and now I'm found. Jesus did that. I was grieving in my shame and unforgiveness and Jesus set me free. Everybody. Everybody can testify like that. All I know is witnessing. And it's always going to be marked by love. Again, that, that hypocrisy smeller, I, I don't know how it works, but outsiders outside of our faith know that this is supposed to be a love thing. It's supposed to be marked by love. You know, and whether that's other brothers and sisters with different labels in the city, and they're saying, Jesus is Lord, love them. Or other brothers and sisters that are in Iraq or Iran, love them. You know, that's, that's us. And that's going to sh- uh, here's one. Uh, other brothers and sisters that are in other political parties. Didn't get this one in first service. Had a news flash here. Love them. Right? I just saw a statistic that said this past week, just on Thursday, it said that 42% of Democrats and Republicans think the other party is evil. Like, and so when you start dehumanizing people, that's, that's how bad stuff happens. That's how, that's the precursor to war. And so, hey, let's rise up. Let's be people that love each other well. Um, 2020, this vision means looking to Jesus. He's the life of the, He's the light of the world in our darkness. Can't see without Him. He's the life of the world. We're dead without Him. He is the Lord of the world. We talked about that last week. In the midst of our chaos, He reigns. He's making things right. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Him. And He is the One who is empowering us now to be God's love to the world. To be God's heart walking around on planet earth in Fort Worth and beyond. Amen. Y'all stand up. Let's respond. This will take five minutes here. Respond to God. Worship team, come on up. Ministry team, need prayer, prayer team to come on up as well. And you guys know, uh, been around a while. We do this every Sunday. And again, I just want to say, this is good news. It's good news that God loves us the way He does and wants to release His love through us. It's good news because it brings hope to us and hope to everyone around us. And I really think, like all these messages pretty much, but I think this is for everybody. So we're all on the spectrum of need in different ways. We're all on the spectrum of knowing that we need in different ways. And so if it's receiving His love, just get in prayer for that. And uh, I did this at the end in first service, but I just want to do it. This is what I do in the mornings. Not every single morning, but I walk around in my study at the house. And I'll quote Psalm 143.8, Let this morning bring me word of your unfailing love. Let this morning, Lord, let me know your unfailing love this morning. Let your mercy be new and rich and fresh for me. You, you said it's, your mercies are new every day. 
So it may be you need prayer about receiving the love of God. Or it might be releasing this. Releasing this love to others. Friends, family, church. Just there's anything that needs to be made right. Man, let's, let's move on that trajectory together. Doing the mission of God with love to the world around us. So Father, meet us. Lord, it's just even if there's any other needs that just are personal to people right now, if, if anybody wants to start the journey of being a disciple that's marked by love, then Lord, would You meet us here today. Release Your life and light and love. Your reign here in our midst. In Jesus' name, Amen. You guys come, get prayer, be bold. We're all in the same boat. <laughs> we all need God so bad. Help us, Lord. We love You. We need You. We call on Your name. Savior, King, Lord. Amen. Release the revelation, the love of God.